This is Amateur Logic, episode 123 for November 15th, 2018. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com. And by ICOM. The holidays are just around the corner, and ICOM has plenty of cheer for everyone. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. This is number 123. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. And as always, it's good to be back, but this time finally. It, it seems like it's been like an extra long time. We are shooting like a week later than we normally do, but it seems like it's just been a really long time since we did the last one. Yeah. Um. Should I put my mic up the right way? Yeah, it's pointing over <laughs> your right shoulder, and there's nobody back there. That's just in case anybody sneaks up on me. <laughs> okay. There we go. Tommy, what are you doing tonight? Well, I, f- I found... Well, actually, I didn't find it, but uh, uh, there's a little feature on my ID51 Handy Talkie that's really handy, and a lot of people aren't aware of it, so I was going to show how to do that to load your memory channels. You, you'd never suspect, would you? A handy feature on a handy talkie. It is handy. Yeah, that's why they call it that. Yeah. I couldn't pass it up. I mean, you just kind of like laid it right out there. Yep. So. I know. I set them, I just set them up and you slam them on, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think that deserves a fist pump. Yeah. There you, there you go. <laughs> I'm glad you did that, Emil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duck. <laughs> yeah, y'all got to put your hands up, and then I'll do it. It'll be like a continue. There you go. There you go. Wow. <laughs> we got to practice on that a little bit, I think. Uh, tonight, you know, last month, well, we had Jim here with us. We did. And it's it good to see him. Good to see him. And he's actually worked on that project that he told us he was going to work on. Yeah. But we won't talk about that right now. Uh, but I, last month, I played with some filtering and we talked all about audio distortion and um the re- reason we're not going to talk about it is that hopefully he's going to come back and show it i hope yeah that's sometime. why i'm not that's pretty cool and i hope he does yeah yeah um i had a square wave coming out of arduino which is what you'd normally get with a tone function but uh, i i wanted something a little more like a sine wave so we did some filtering last month and showed you how to do that this month, I actually use that tone for something, and uh, I think it's cool. It's um, yeah, a, a little. Uh, I haven't seen your project, but it's really interesting sound. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it actually involves radio too, so that's Get a plus anytime. Yeah. Wait, wait, hold on, George. <laughs> did you do it? Was this your project? You did it. E- maybe. 
<laughs> well, then it's going to be cool. Oh, oh okay. Oh, okay. okay. It, yeah. Yeah, it's hold on. Cloudy. It depends on why you're asking. Yeah. <laughs> I got an email here that um, comes from Eric Clark, W4EMT. There's Eric right there. That's a nice radio he's got there. It is. Nice to know you. Microphone, too. Well, yeah, his station's really clean, too. I hate to show mine. Yeah. Eric is the husband of Sarah Clark, K4EMT. Oh, awesome. Who was our grand prize winner last month. Cool. Awesome. She won the IC7300 you see sitting there and that hollow microphone. And a lot of other goodies there. I don't see the gold PL259s. Yeah, hopefully it's not on the piece, end of a piece of coax somewhere. Yeah, maybe they've got them in the safe or something. Probably. Anyway, uh, Eric <coughs> just sent a little note here, and uh, he wanted to let us know that uh, the radio had been installed, and both of them had made a lot of contacts on it. He always knew it was a sweet rig, and uh, he was right. Uh, Sarah insisted that. She made the first contact on it, and she did. She talked with a friend of hers in Oklahoma, John W5GFI, and got a nice signal report. And since then, he says he's made some really nice stateside NDX contacts with the rig, including the VP6D de-expedition to Ducey Island twice, once on 15-meter sideband and another time on 20-meter CW. And he's been on 30 and 40 meters with it on FT8, quite a bit over the past weekend, and it's really worked well. Thanks again for the opportunity to win that prize package. Well, thank you, Eric. Congratulations, Sarah. We know you're going to enjoy it. And he asked if I wanted to uh, try to schedule a CUSO with him, and I did last weekend. Oh, cool. We uh, we talked Sunday, and the radio really sounds good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the microphone, you could, you could tell it was a Hall microphone. Yeah. 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 Uh, really, really good, smooth-sounding audio well, on I'm it. I'm glad to see they're enjoying it. Oh, yeah. How could you not? So, um, well, congratulations again, Sarah, and apparently Eric, too, because I, I think he is going to... He's going to enjoy it just as much as she there, is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and get on the air with it. I mean... You can't blame him. You can't blame him. No. I know I would be. Well, email. what do you have here to, to talk about well, tonight? Well, you know, George, um, I had a chance uh, over here to assist in the uh, the uh, American Diabetes Association's tour to cure. There was about 14 hams who got to uh, gather and uh, help them out in running this event, keeping track of uh, people and things. My wife just so happened to be in. She was doing the bike race and ride. There was three different distances, and she rode the 30-mile ride along the levees here. So uh, so I packed up my station, and I went on down to the Audubon Zoo, and to my surprise, they all asked for you. And yeah. they all asked for you, Tommy. <laughs> That's an inside they even joke in, there. They even inquired about you. <laughs> the yeah. monkeys asked, the tigers asked, the <laughs> elephants asked. <laughs> Yeah. For, look, for any for anybody who's native to Amer- uh, I mean uh, New Orleans, you're gonna know the reference there. That's a song that's very classic here in New Orleans. So I'm yeah. sure y'all heard that one. Have you? I had not until you sent me the link. I had no idea what you were talking about. But, uh, well, I guess you're gonna have to send me the link too. It's by the meters. What's the name yeah. of it? 
the meters. They all ask for you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, it's a, it's well, a classic. So well, I'm gonna have to look that up now. Anyway, I just wanted to share uh, some of the sights that I got to see while I uh, manned up the uh, north side of the Ottoman Park there with my station on that team, and that's what my segment is here. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. So why are we here in the dark at 5 in the morning at Audubon Park? Because my husband signed me up for American Diabetes. It's cold, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you have a great ride. So hey, Nick. Yes, sir. Why are we here at 5 in the morning in cold weather? Uh, because we're going to help uh, the American Diabetes Association with their tour to cure. Most excellent. I hope they have a good ride. I hope so too. A safe one as well. How was the event, Emil? Success? No, it, yeah, it was. It was awesome. They did not have too much, too many uh, events or um, bad things happen, and they had uh, lots of volunteers and people when they did. So it was a good stuff. Uh, perfect, absolutely perfect weather. I mean, it was in uh, maybe the fifties or sixties. It was. It was absolutely a gorgeous day. So even though the riders uh, had no problems and got in and out. 
fact, they zoomed past me. I, w- I was in the north side of that Arvin Park, and they just whew, flew past us. <laughs> and uh, it was a uh, good day. So you signed your, what was her name, Julie, your wife's name? Yeah. yeah so you signed Julie up? <laughs> well, it, that was the plan. Uh, as the the tail end of a, a vacation we we had going, we went to the concert. We stayed in the city for a while, and uh, did all sorts of things. And that was the end of it. So it wasn't me. Uh, okay, because I was going to say, if I signed my wife up for that, she wouldn't have been quite so not so happy about it. <laughs> uh, she yeah. does it. She rides all the time, other other um, in other races and around here. So oh, she's cool. used to that. Nice, cool. Yeah, looked like fun time. Yeah, remember when we had that spell? We used to go riding bikes. Yeah, we got over it. Yeah, it didn't take long. <laughs> uh, you but, you got a uh, a real bike. <clears throat> yeah, I got a motorcycle now, but we did have regular bikes that you you yeah. had, you know you have to work your legs off just to give you behind a ride. Yeah. Um. Yep. So, but I figured that there wasn't much future in that. And vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Tommy, I think you're next on the list there for uh, emails tonight. I'm on the list. Uh, what in the world could be <laughs> on your mind? <laughs> Three guesses. <clears throat> um, Bye, Star. <laughs> I got an email from uh, Rude, PA3RW. He says, hi, Tommy. I know you're a D-Star fan, and you did, you did already made a review about the DV Mega by Gus Van Doren, PE1 PLM. Yeah, you still use my DV Mega all the time. On the last, at the Lamps Tam Fest here in the Netherlands, I spoke with Gus and he tipped me about a program called PyStar. Uh, PyStar.uk. Easy to use program to make a DV hotspot or repeater. Maybe it's an idea to review this software on your show. 73 Rude, PA3RW. And uh, actually, it's a great idea, Rude. I've even before I got this, I have the image I downloaded it a few days ago, and it's sitting on my desktop. Uh, that should be coming up here pretty soon. My old uh, hotspot that I've been using, the software is getting kind of dated on it. Um, and uh, anyway, the DM, DMR stuff doesn't work anymore. Uh, the Brandmaster stuff doesn't isn't yeah, there. Yeah, so. it doesn't work on mine either anymore. Yeah. So anyway, uh, time for redo the hotspot. So I, that's what I'm going to go with. Should be coming up here pretty soon. I'm looking forward to redoing my my uh, hotspot for my DV Mega. I'm looking forward to you redoing it too, <laughs> so you can get a copy. Yeah, so, so I want a copy of the image. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, we're going to come back and see what you've got for a segment this month. Oh, and uh, one other thing to keep in mind is we've got. Another one of those um, world-class amateur logic taste test challenges going tonight. Yep. Uh, cool. Yep. Who we sent? Sure the, who sent us something this time? Uh, Nigel over in the UK, in England. Cool. Yeah. So we'll be looking at that in a minute. For the love of the holidays, surprise your favorite ham this season with the gift that's on their hot list. The holidays are just around the corner, and ICOM has plenty of cheer for everyone. IC7610, the SDR every ham watts, and just in time for the holidays. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR. 
RF direct sampling system, 110 RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. IC7300, changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. ICR30, raise the bar on DC to daylight receivers, powerful yet easy to use. The ICR30 is packed full of features you've come to expect from ICOM. Built-in GPS and Bluetooth, dual bandwidth recording, high-speed scan, and there's an Android and iOS app available. The perfect stocking stuffer, the ID51A Plus 2, provides new modes for extended D-Star coverage. Enjoy integrated GPS, independent AM-FM receiver, and free Android apps. Terminal and access point mode, send and receive text messages and pictures, DV fast data mode, and easy FM repeater setting. Visit iComAmerica slash amateur for more information on all the great iCom radios. Some great ideas for stocking stuffers there. Uh, Tommy, you can just pick up one of the IC7300s for my stocking. Okay. And I'll take a 7610 while you're out shopping. No, it didn't work out like I was was expecting. (laughs) I'm sure I'd be surprised you wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. Well, I see you're hard at work on something over there. When I was in Dayton this year, I went to the D-Star Forum, like I usually do, and they were taking feedback from people. The one thing that I heard that really stuck out with me was that people were having trouble programming their radio to get on D-Star. Um, so there's a function in one of some of the newer radios, the DR mode, ICOM radios in particular, that import and export CSV files. Now, I did a segment on episode 56 of AmateurLogic.tv where we used the free CS51 software to program my original ID51. Well, that's still great software, and it's still free. You get a copy with your radio when you get it. There's a nice way to, to program the repeater functions in here, or the repeater list. Let's take a look at that. It did not exist in this older radio. So let's let's go ahead and set this one to the side, and let's focus on the newer one at the moment. So if we go into the menu here by hitting the top menu button, we scroll down to where it says SD card, hit the blue button in the center of the rocker switch, we see import and export. That's, that's where the magic happens right there. Let's shut down the radio. Let's pull out our SD card. You're going to need an SD card, by the way. If you don't have one in your radio, you should put one in. They're, they're really cheap, and, and uh, it takes a micro SD. When you take it out, be sure to pay attention to the orientation of it. The contacts go to the front of the radio towards the screen, the same direction the screen's facing. So I'm going to pop this card in my card reader. And it's going to pop up on my screen. There are a lot of resources on the internet nowadays for D-Star and for, for everything, really. But there's one site in particular that we're going to focus on today, and that's dstarinfo.com. It's, uh, it's a great site. You can download memory channels, uh, repeater lists, so forth from that site. And it's already formatted 
for most of your software for your radio here. Let's take a look. So we'll go to uh, www.dstarinfo.com. There's there's a lot of stuff on here. Um, information about nets, the reflector list, repeater maps, where it shows you where they are, uh, D-Star calculator, a lot of stuff. So if you haven't been here, I encourage you to go look around. Uh, for this exercise, we're going to go to downloads. And we want repeater list downloads for DR mode radios. So let's go in there and we'll pick our location. I'm going to go ahead and put my location in. You can see I've done this before. It's a great site, so I come here fairly frequently. Let's look up location and it found my location here. I'll pick my radio. This is the uh, newer ID51A plus 2. Gives you a summary that this radio has 500 standard memory, 750 uh, spots for the repeater link repeater list rather your call list can be up to 200 entries and the name display on the front is up to 16 characters so I'm gonna go ahead and just download it and it pulls it down let's view it in the folder and there it is so let's open it up and take a look at it I'll open with Excel because it seems to format a little bit nicer to read but if if you remember, I put in for the zip code for Madison, Mississippi, and it pulls down a lot of uh, repeaters, uh, D-Star repeaters. You can tell they're D-Star because this mode is DV, digital voice. But if we scroll way down, you'll get to the FMs. And once you get to the FMs, it's going to be for your local area. So um, it starts in Arkansas, Louisiana, the vicinity around here Alabama Mississippi a lot of you can see that we got a lot of repeaters in Mississippi and these are all FM just standard repeaters they've got uh, coordinates over here that so the GPS can determine which one is closest to you when you go to the near repeater function gives you the closest one that you have the likeliest chance of getting into um, so let's go ahead and let's let's close Excel and I'll rename this one to um, home because this is my home area. And we'll cut this out of here. I've already got one uh, another Explorer window open. So we'll go into ID51. When I plug my card in, this opened up for me. Um, go into CSV, repeater list. And that's where these CSV files are going to live. So let's paste it in there. Again, these are called CSV files because they're comma-separated values. You can see groups for, uh, group numbers for, rather. Group is Canada, name is Winnipeg, and so forth. And each one has a comma. That's where the C comes for, comma-separated values. These are just plain text files. So while I'm in here, I've, uh, I work in Dallas, so I'm going to go to Dallas, Texas. Look up the location, and it found it. I'll download again. And let's view this in the folder. And we'll rename this one to Dallas. And I'll cut that one. Paste it over here on my SD card with the other one. Well, it just so happens that I have a trip to Las Vegas coming up 
this actually Sunday I leave to fly out there for work. So I'll do Las Vegas, Nevada. Look up. Found found it. Still got the same radio selected. Let's download this one. Let's view it in the folder. I'll call this one Las Vegas. That way when I get out there, I have the repeater list for the area with me. Let's cut it. And we'll paste it over here again. That's good for, good enough for right now. You can see these are very small files. They're only in the 80k kilobyte range. So we ejected the card. Now it's time to put it back in our radio. So again, pay attention to the orientation of the card. Remember it came out with the, the uh, context towards the front. So let's put it back in. Push it until it locks in. Okay, the card's in. Let's power up. Okay, power's up. So let's go into menu, SD card, import and export. T today we want to import the repeater list. Remember we put the files in the repeater list folder. Now I've got a Dallas, home area, and Las Vegas. Because I'm home, I'm going to go ahead and load this one. Uh, do you want to keep the skip settings in the repeater list? And I'm just going to say no. There, I don't have any in here anyway. Import the file? Yes. It'll take it about uh, less than a minute to import and do its thing. Probably about 20 seconds or so. Okay, it finished. Reboot the CS51. So let's turn it off. Turn it back on. And we're in. So let's go into DR mode and take a look at what we just did. To go into DR mode, let's hold down the DR switch. It's on the, the bottom button of the rocker switch right here where it says DR. Put your finger on it, hold it down until it changes the mode. And it came up with the first one on the list, which was Winnipeg. So let's go hit, let's go to from, hit the center button. Let's go to repeater list oh actually let's don't let's go back let's go to near repeater and let's use the gps so one of the beauties of this radio is it's got a gps built in and that repeater list had coordinates for the most of the repeaters in there so let's go to repeater list we can do near repeater all we can do dv which is only d star repeaters or we can do only fm repeaters i was going to show you on all this time Okay, it's searching based off my location, and it pulled up a list of them. I'm in Madison, Mississippi. Sorry about the flashing there on the light. I'm in Madison, Mississippi, and you can see there's an FM repeater. There's an FM in Ridgeland. There's a D-Star repeater in Brandon because it doesn't have uh, FM beside it. There's another. Here's another repeater in Clinton. We've got some uh, FMs in Jackson. The call sign. And how far they are from you is right here. So let's just pick this one. And it loads it up. gives you the location, the frequency, and the call sign. Right there on the screen. And you're ready to go. So we can talk on the FM repeaters just that easy. You can uh, also 
when if with your cursor on the from line you can turn the wheel and scroll through all of the repeaters in the list right there based off of your location uh, so let's let's go back in your repeater if we only want to see the d stars we can pick dv mode and pick that and you can see we've got the four d star repeaters in the area right here with uh, there's no fm beside them and likewise you can do the same thing for fm repeaters so that's that is super simple super that's almost a tongue twister it's very simple it's not really much reason not to program your radio or be able to get on the air now that said that doesn't you do your regular memory channels it doesn't do your your call and so forth so the you can program the regular memories using the CS51 free software or whatever software for your radio. Go to episode 56 of AmateurLogic.tv to see how to use the CS51 software. We may do the your call sign stuff next, and I'll show you how to connect to repeaters and reflectors and so forth using that and the, and the DR mode repeater list that we just put in here. So remember, DR mode's your friend. Play around with it. Go to the dstarinfo.com site. Play around. There's uh, memory channel downloads in here, which you'll have to use the software to load those. But it's a great resource uh, for DSTAR information, um, thus the name of the site. And uh, anyway, check it out. You'll find it uh, pretty interesting. And uh, get your radio programmed and get on the air almost like shooting fish in a barrel when you travel. Yeah, it's it's easy. I see somebody on the chat room said that they don't have uh, any D-Star repeaters there to have fusion, but I'm sure they have FM. The same, oh, yeah. same exact thing works with FM repeaters. And that's actually the beauty of it. Now, when you got one of the newer repeaters that have the FM mode on the repeater list, um, which I think is the ones after the original one, mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's, I mean, it works every, for everything pretty much. D-Star or FM. That's pretty slick. We were talking about it while it was playing there. Is the distance to repeaters correct? And you say, well, probably I so don't know. I don't know if they're exactly right. I think yeah. I scanned down through the Jackson ones. And, you know, we used to, when you looked at uh, the old repeater maps and stuff, mm -hmm. when it said Jackson, they all looked like they were right dead in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. But these all had different, slightly different coordinates. So I'm assuming, you know, I think... I think when they coordinate those, they're probably required to enter some of that stuff nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I'm, I'm assuming they're probably pretty close. Well, that really makes programming those rigs <clears throat> a whole lot easier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you would still Super want to do your simple. memory S tongue twister. <laughs> Super simple. Super simple. And that's not, I mean, of course, that was with ID51. Mm -hmm. That you did that, but I mean, well, your forty-one hundred will do the same thing. We'll My fifty-one hundred's got the mm -hmm. same, same thing. So the most of the newer, the newer, Icon rigs have that. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Kenwood. Uh, I, I we only had that one here we played with for a little while, but I did see that that file supported or that site supported the Kenwood radio okay. too. So I'm thinking it may work the same. We were there. I, I don't know enough yeah, about the radio to know for sure, but I would assume it probably does. Yeah. Cool. Well, <clears throat> let's see where we are. I, I've got an email here 
That comes from Chuck Gertula, I believe. I may be mispronouncing that, Chuck, sorry. KF7WZV, and he says, uh, George, first of all, thanks for your input on amateur logic and ham nation. He's been given a number of links of coax of various sizes and, and links, and uh, he has an MFJ226 antenna analyzer. Guess what? I do, too. Yep. Yep. Nice little analyzer here. And he said he's been told that he could determine if a cable was good or bad by using the antenna analyzer on it. But he's had trouble finding some information on exactly how you would do that. And he asked... Would it be just taking a 50-ohm dummy load, put on one end of the cable, and hooking the other end to the analyzer? Uh, with this analyzer, I believe that's how you would do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some do it a little <coughs> bit differently. I tried to do a little research on this one and didn't come up with another way of doing it. Of course, that's going to tell you if you just go to the, the frequency you're interested in, do a, a good sweep of it there uh, with a good known dummy load on the mm -hmm. end. Uh, that's a good way to test it. One other thing that you could do, and which I I personally like to do when I'm checking out coaxes, and, and most people don't don't have access to one of these. This is a Megger, mm -hmm. and we've shown that before, Amateur Logic uh, 68, our July 2014 field day episode, we showed how to use a Megger to test out your coaxes. Now, that's in addition to using something like an antenna analyzer. The analyzer is going to put it in the frequency domain for you mm -hmm. and, and do checks there and, you know, actually determine the impedance. The Megger is just going to send a brute force voltage down that cable and see if it breaks over, uh, which, uh, you know, this one here will do 1,000 volts. So... If you've got a connector that's not just right or a piece of cable that's maybe going bad, this is going to detect it pretty quick where oh, yeah. you wouldn't see it with, you know, uh, something that's running low power like an antenna analyzer. However, all this is going to do is tell you, well, the, it's not breaking down. It won't tell you if the cable's open or, you know, if it's anywhere near 50 ohms or any of that. So, really, uh, both of those are good if you if you want to do an absolute check, but I would say in most cases, analog uh, analyzer with a 50-ohm dummy load is, is probably what most folks use. And he had sent me this email uh, back in April, and we're just now oh, wow. getting to reading it, and he said he hoped to use some of those coaxes at field day. So I suspect he knows if those cables were good or bad by now. Uh, yeah, he probably does. Yep. Um, yeah, we need, we uh, we had so much content there for a while, and we still got a fair amount, mm -hmm. but uh, we haven't been able to fit the emails in. So yeah, but trying we, to bring them back around. Yeah, we we do try to hang on to them, so when we can fit them in, we bring them back up. Email, I I know you've got, and it's not a post this time; it's an actual email. Email, an, e an email, email. To email? Got an email, yes. <laughs> There's another one. Uh, <laughs> tongue twister night. Um, yeah, there's a, a local 
uh, club here, and I uh, got a friend in that club, Carl, KG5NXY, who uh, said the key words, speaking of super simple, um, on, on the keywords on your segment, Tommy, he said the keywords for me to key off of this email, and uh, those words were, he saw a need for cheap, efficient ways to create ad hoc mesh networks using these devices he found. He, he called it the, the Nixie mesh, and that the, the use of that term Nixie, I think, is coming from his call sign in XY. But uh, apparently he found some uh, what, what he's calling Haltech ESP32 uh, boards that are basically Wi-Fi connections. And he programmed them up and made them into a little mesh network. What he's going for here is something I know we covered a while back uh, using, let's say, FRS and GMRS radios where you basically set up a neighborhood network, if you will, in, in case of emergencies, so that you can talk in between uh, neighbors and things like that. And this is where he's gone with these uh, devices. Uh, I haven't used them yet, and I'm anxious to get to the club to talk to him about what he's doing, but uh, he's basically wanting to use them like uh, you know house-to-house uh, communications or network systems or simple ad hoc IP networks, which is I thought was pretty neat. So the devices look pretty cool, and he's programmed them up. He used to be a programmer. I'm going to have to follow up on that. But when I saw the email and I saw the words cheap and efficient, <laughs> I thought I'd give it a look. Yeah, you know, even if it doesn't work, it looks really cool, doesn't it? It looks very cool. <laughs> yeah. I like it. What was the device? It's uh, He called it the Haltech, uh, H-E-L-T-E-K, ESP32. ESP32. Okay, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, that's, yeah it looks pretty cool. That's that's really nice looking. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, um, we're going to come back in just a moment, and I'm going to show you the project that I've been working on. Cool. Isn't it about time someone developed an inexpensive multiband antenna you could deploy in just minutes? Well, someone has. Meet the octopus. MFJ's new four-band octopus antenna is the perfect way to get you swimming in the HF ocean immediately. The octopus mounting base is constructed of heavy-duty stainless steel and super-strong fiberglass-filled ABS insulator tube. The built-in ballon comes with an attached SO239 connector pigtail ready for you to attach coax. Choose a pair of hamsticks for each of your four favorite bands, screw them into the eight chrome-plated 3H24 threaded mounts, and you're able to get on the air in just minutes. The MFG Octopus will mount on most any metal pole or telescopic mast up to one inch in diameter. Just tighten the thumb screw. You can rotate the antenna with a small TV rotor like the high-gain ARI 500 or just ground mount the antenna for omnidirectional use. With its eight super lightweight arms, the MFG Octopus is ready to reach out and grab the big DX on your favorite bands. At only 14 feet in diameter, it's great for emergency, stealth, portable, campground, or as a permanent base antenna. And the hamsticks break down to around 4 feet for easy, compact storage. If you're on the lookout for a compact, quickly deployable multiband HF antenna, 
Keep an eye out for the new MFJ Octopus. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. It doesn't have the little cool blue display on it, but I did a little programming for my project. And, uh, well, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that for now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Y'all just watch. That's it. all I have to say about that. Yeah. Now just, uh, check it out here. <laughs> it it involves two of my favorite things, radio and Arduinos. You know, I'm I'm I like the Arduinos. Oh yeah. Email. I like them better than I like the Raspberry Pis. Oh. Yeah, okay. I, I do. You may remember last month I was working on a project that. Needed some tone shaping to it. The Arduino can only put out a square wave uh, with the tone function, but I wanted something a little more like a sine wave, something with a little lower distortion. Well, this month I'm going to show you what I was working on. I built a similar project to this one years ago using discrete components. And let me say it took a lot longer, it was a lot harder to do, and cost a lot more money. We're going to do this right here on the cheap. Real simple, we've got an Arduino Uno, which are very inexpensive. We can program this and do a lot of different things with it, and we've talked about them before. They've got digital input and output connectors on it, as well as some analog inputs. Down here on the experimenter board, I've got the filter that we built last month. It's got the 0.1 microfarad capacitors here and the 1K ohm resistors to shape that square wave down into... Uh, sort of a sine wave. On the output of that filter, I've got another point one. That's going through a 33K ohm resistor. And this wire here runs back to the rig that I've got this connected to on the microphone input. Of course, that's being fed by pin 13 coming out of the Arduino. That's what's going to generate our tone signal. Over here, I've got two read relays. To drive those relays, I've got some 2N3904 transistors, one for each relay, and the few components that go with that, a resistor and a couple of diodes. And each one of those is connected to one of the digital I.O. pins on the Arduino up here. So what I do is simply turn on the transistor with software, and that will key which of the relay I want here. Now, the relay on the right, you can see I've got an LED connected out here across the coil of it so that we can see whenever this relay is on. The contacts are connected to another wire here going to the push-to-talk button on my microphone. So essentially, whenever this relay right here is made, it's going to cause my rig to transmit. If there's a signal coming through this filter over here, then that's what's going to be transmitted on the air. The relay on the left is just, well, I'm calling it a controlled relay. We're just going to turn it on and off at will from the software. And what I've got connected to it right now in the contacts is just a light bulb out here. And I'm going to connect uh, 12 volts of power across the light bulb and the relay contact in series with it so that whenever I turn on this relay, That light bulb is going to illuminate. Uh, A couple other things I've got here. Of course, uh, we've got a USB cable that's running over to my computer. 
in the end, we could pull that connector out right there and just power from uh, 9 to 12 volts directly into the Arduino on the power jack here and not have a computer in the project at all. Over here on the right-hand side, I've got a little module that I picked up at a ham fest. Oh, I don't know. It was over a year ago. I think I got this at Huntsville Ham Fest. It's a little Arduino module using an MT8870 DTMF decoder chip. I've got the input to that decoder connected to the speaker out of the rig. So essentially how this is going to work, I will take a handy talkie or another radio. I'll key in a DTMF code. The DTMF decoder will detect that and send that code out to the input-output pins here on the Arduino where we will decode it. If we've got an asterisk key, a star key, well, that's going to be the command to turn off our controlled relay here. If we get a pound key in uh, coming from DTMF, what that's going to do is turn on this relay. So essentially, we're only looking at two commands, an asterisk or a pound. The rest of the commands are available to us there. We're just not using them in this project. Let's take a look at our schematic here. Right here in the center, we've got the Arduino Uno. That's going to be the heart of this project. Above that, we've got an MT8870 DTMF decoder board I've mentioned earlier. Uh, the audio coming from the rig goes right here into the input jack on it. And if we get a DTMF tone on there, there are five pins down here. The first one is STQ. That's telling us that there has been a valid DTMF signal decoded. The other four pins here, these are data lines, depending on which code is received, these data lines each will be set to either high or low. We'll look at these four inputs here with our code in the Arduino and decode which DTMF tone was actually received and act upon it. Up here on pin 13, this is more or less our circuit that we had last month. It's going to be a tone coming out of that digital I.O. pin and we've got our filtering here that we made last month. Uh, also, we've added out here a 0.1 microfarad capacitor. This is just here to block DC so that uh, there's no DC that could be coming from the Arduino that gets into our rig and vice versa. And we've got a 33K ohm resistor right here. This is just used to drop the level of that tone a little bit before we send it on to the mic input of our transceiver. The reason we're doing that is we want to give an acknowledgement when we receive a tone and act upon it. We're using pins 0 and 1 of the digital I.O. on the Arduino to feed these two relay driver circuits here. Down at the bottom, we've got what we're calling a controlled relay here. Coming from pin 0 of the Arduino, we go to a 10K ohm resistor. From there, we go on over to the base of a 2N3904 transistor. Now, this is an NPN transistor, and the way you can remember that is the arrow here on the transistor never points in. It's pointed out. The emitter of that transistor is hooked to ground. The collector is hooked up to one side of the coil of the relay here. The other side of that coil is hooked up to our plus 5 volt supply. Across that coil, we've got a snubber diode here that's uh, hooked up backwards, it's only there to conduct when that relay releases 
uh, the inductance from it will send a spike back down the line, and this just nubs that out to keep it from damaging the rest of the circuitry. There's another diode down here at the base of the transistor that's there for the same purpose. So what's going on here is we get a high coming in from pin zero of the Arduino. It's knocked down to a lower voltage because we don't need that full 5 volts. We do that with the 10K ohm resistor. It drives the base of the transistor right here. And as a matter of fact, the voltage is high enough that it sends that transistor into saturation. So it begins to conduct 100%, just like we turned on a switch. When that happens, we complete the circuit. We've got the positive voltage going in here to one side of the coil, and that can go on out and go all the way to ground for a complete circuit, and that energizes the relay. And then the contacts of the relay are going to be hooked up here to whatever we want to connect. In this case, I'm using the little light bulb. Up above that, we've got an identical circuit here. Uh, this one is being fed by pin 1 of the Arduino, and we're calling this our push-to-talk relay here. Same thing, whenever we send the voltage in here, that's going to close the relay and key up our rig, which will transmit. And then in the code, we're also going to tell it at that point to send our tone uh, for confirmation and ID whatever we'd like to do. I'm going to take a handy talkie now, and I'm going to enter in our commands and see what happens. The first command I'm going to punch in is a pound. And you'll notice that you heard my ID, W5JDX and CW, followed by uh, two tones there a low tone and a high tone, I'm using that to indicate that I turned on the relay, and you can see the light bulbs on there. Now to turn off the relay, I'm going to use right the opposite. I'll use a high tone and then a low tone to indicate that we've turned the relay off. So now I'm going to push the star button, and let's see what happens. And you notice a little red LED there. That's just connected across the coil of the relay and comes on to indicate that the push-to-talk relay is energized. So there you have my DTMF relay project. Now, next month, I'm going to improve on this a little bit and show you a project that just blows this one out of the water. That was my little project. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Very yeah. cool. You know, I got that uh, decoder, I don't know, a year or two ago. And I always said, I'm going to do something cool with this, and I almost did it right there. Almost? Almost. Wait till you see next month's. Are you going to expand on it? Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, you know, if, if you enjoyed this one, the next month's going to be pretty sweet, I think. I think, anyway. You know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so, I know what it is. Um We'll just leave the rest of them hanging on. They'll, they'll like it. An email? No, me. I it, don't know what it is. It didn't cost <laughs> anything extra. As a matter of fact, it was cheaper than the one you just saw. Man, you, yeah. you are like going for an award here. Oh, uh, He's that, not going to even sleep tonight now. At, at least I, I probably <laughs> shaved off 75 cents from the cost overall. 
That's huge. That's like magnitude huge. And I, I uh, yeah. And I amplified the the cold factor by at least a hundred. I think. I think. But hundred points or a hundred times. Hundred times, man. Oh wow. It it's. I like it. It's something I didn't know you could do with an Arduino, and I tied it in with this project. It's well. I'll just leave it at that for now. Well, Tommy, you have what, another email there. I do have. I believe I have two more emails actually, but I'll only read one of them right now. Okay, I've got one from uh, Jerry W A zero H. Says hi, Tommy. I saw your coverage of the Dayton Xenia Ham Fest. Joan and I had a booth in Building Five where we sell my easy-to-use logging program, Microlog. After 55 years of writing computer programs, I took a break and wrote an easy-to-follow math book. Calm down, it's only math. Learn math without having to learn math. That sounds like a pretty good trick right there. Yeah. Math stands for Mental Abuse to Humans. (laughs) That's a pretty cool acronym. I wrote it for hams who feel that knowing a little more math would be helpful. The book, $10 for paperback and $7.50 for the Kindle ebook, is available on Amazon. If you want to see excerpts from the book, um, go to the website, uh, follow the download link. Anyway, Amazon will let you uh, get some excerpts from it to check it out. But it looks yeah. like a pretty good book. And uh, and you're right, math, like our hobby is full yeah. of math, electronics. If I could have had access to that book in high school, it might have changed my life, man. You could learn math without I, having to learn math. I, yeah, apparently yeah. so. That that is pretty neat. I, I have not looked at the book, so um, not sure what's all involved yeah, there. Yeah, glance at it. Anything that makes math easier. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. Math is hard. Yeah. No. <laughs> 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 School. <laughs> math is hard. Well, that's why we invented computers. Exactly. <laughs> but then you got to know math to write programs, so that kinda, that's very true. Yeah. Some of them, anyway. Do you need the math for a lot of these electronic things? You do. Yeah, tons of it. Well, I had an email from our friend Eric Ferguson, AC9BX. I don't remember how long ago. This is probably a couple of months ago, and he sent me a few photos of some. Some neat, nostalgic ads that he ran across. Cool. And I wanted to share them with everyone here tonight because, well, there's something most of us can relate to, especially this first one here. Oh, wow. I never had one of these, but it's the Rimco Electronic Radio Station. Send and receive voice and code up to half a mile, I think that's what it says. Isn't that a neat-looking radio station? It looks pretty awesome. Yeah. I want one. And towers built in. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think they were cheap, though, because I never got one. And your homeowners association won't say anything about those towers. In the house? Nope. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> anyway, that looks like something straight out of a 50 sci-fi movie. It really does, but it does look pretty cool. It does. I'd like to see a picture of a real one. I'd like to have one even now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I have another one here of, this is only a receiver, it's not a transmitter, it's an 8-tube, super-hit, silver-tone console radio, 
Now, a friend of mine bought one of these back when we were uh, teenagers. It didn't work, but he only <laughs> wanted it for a speaker cabinet. Oh, yeah? And it was good for a speaker cabinet. Thirty nine ninety five, exactly one half price from Sears Roebuck and Company. It's complete. There's nothing else to buy, and it I believe it came with installation included. State-of-the-art new 1932 features. It's an eight-tube super heterodyne, multi-move tubes, and intermediate and radio frequency, screen grid, power detector, image frequency suppressor. Well, you, you could even use one of those right now. Micro-sensitivity compensator, and we don't even know what that is. Nope, but it must have been good. They had one in 32 at Sears. Tone control, a 10-inch super dynamic speaker, push-pull pentode outputs, and never at a price like $39.95 has brought so much radio before. You know, selling that much radio that cheap is surprising Sears is still around. Yep. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you Did need- I go there? I think so. <laughs> you need to hit print screen and print this out. There's a little coupon in the bottom right-hand corner there. If you fill that out and send it to Sears Roebuck and Company in Philadelphia, <laughs> I think they will hook you up. They'll install it. It may get bounced back. Well, <laughs> it could. Anyway, that's a neat-looking old console, man. I, yeah, it looks pretty cool. You know, when I was a teenager, we used to see these around at antique shops and pawn shops and different things, but you don't see them as much anymore. Yeah. And when you do, there's a big price on them. I remember when my when we were at home one day and my mom had this uh, big Zenith uh, console thing delivered. It had a TV in the middle, turntable, yep. and a radio yep. on the top, and the two speakers on the side. That was pretty so awesome George, for its day. What do you what do you, what do you think forty dollars was in 1932? Today's oh. money. It's like half a million? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know, but that it, was half was a lot. That is, had to have been a good deal. It's half price. So. Yeah. How could you pass you it up? Yep. Uh, one Think more. of everything you could do with the other thirty nine ninety five after you bought that for half price. Well, I mean, if you already <laughs> had a sensitivity compensator and image frequency suppressor, you don't need to spend that you extra were, You were half the way there. Yeah. One more photo here, and this uh, this oh. one, I remember this well because it's from 1976. This is the year I went to work at a uh, Radio Shack dealer store. This was a 1976 Radio Shack catalog right here. We had that same radio and those same speakers. Really? Yeah. yeah. The Arthur Fiddler system. I guess so. It's the exact same one. Yeah. Those are real wood cabinets, too. Unless you peeled it off. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, 500 bucks, man. And that that was not really their top-of-the-line system. It's okay, but that was the cheaper cassette deck and headphones. Um. But yeah, you get everything for five hundred bucks, and they even threw in uh, two chromium dioxide tapes as well, CRO twos. Cool. You got a yeah. pair of those. Yeah, remember that? Did you get the the um, 
composer in the bottom right, too? I don't think it come with that or the chick. Okay. But you would get a free flashlight that you could buy D-cells to go in yeah. or bring in the card. Six D-cells? Yep. once a month. It'll take you six months just to get enough batteries when you yep. went in for one. By the time you got to six one, your first one had already died. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need that card. Uh, so anyway... Thanks for those, Eric. It's always a lot of fun looking yeah. at Yeah, those were fun. Looking at that stuff. He, he actually sent me more, but that's really all that we have time for tonight. You, you know, you got to love the old Radio Shack ad things, man. Like yeah. The others were awesome, too. But, like, I don't know. At least I do, because those were my time. Yeah, mine, too. That's the year <laughs> I finished college. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. Yep. I was six. Wow. You probably weren't in college yet. That was 76? Yep. Yeah, I had four years of high school left. Wow. I'm an old guy. You are. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a bicentennial year. And uh, yes, Mike, we were able to wear leisure suits back in that time period. Uh, Anyway. I did not. I I just want to go on the record right now saying I never wore a leisure suit. I had a green one. Man, if I had that thing today and put it on right here, I'd just I just I don't know sure I'd even sit in there with you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would, because I'd be taking pictures and I'd be posting it everywhere. <laughs> well, speaking of college. At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. them. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using one. That's why we went primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Uh, the night's still young. It's always time. Always time to burn to, up to or blow something yeah, up. Pretty much. You never get well, too much. We had that much. smoke test, right? Or the smoke, the replacement smoke. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you got any more of that? No. We're out. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Completely out. Well, email. did you have one more thing tonight you wanted to bring to our attention? <clears throat> I uh, do. It's a post in the Amateur Logic TV Facebook uh, from our buddy who's in the chat room, uh, KG5CEN, Glenn. He uh, brought to everybody's attention early November that uh, the guys over at the Ham Shack hotline, hotline phone service moved their systems to the cloud and uh, that people might have to uh, reprovision uh, their phone. I got mine up and running and kicking again. 
and uh, it wasn't that e- I mean wasn't that hard to do. Same thing as when I first provisioned it, had to copy the URL back into the phone. But uh, they did move their services to become more uh, available and reliable. So uh, check it out if you got the Hamshack hotline numbers. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I had to redo mine as well. Thanks for that info, Glenn. That's good to know. So we're going to have, well, go ahead. You tell us what we Okay, well, let me read the email first. Okay. Okay, this is from uh, Nigel. He's actually in the chat room. Uh, I think he's still in there. G0MEJ. Yeah, he's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it says, hello, Tommy. I sent you a jar of Cumberland rum butter, which is made local in my county of Cumbria. I'd like to do challenge on Amateur Logic TV to try it along with George. This is a traditional fare for Christmas time. You just try or you try to just spread it on your uh, sliced bread or warm mince pies. I'm not sure what mince pie is, but I've enclosed information about the old Cumberland County is now called Cumbria after 1974, with the most beautiful, uh, the most beautiful heart of Northern England. The English Lake District now has world heritage status. There's a little bit of a dialect thing, so it's kind of. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I've been a radio amateur since 1985. Held the call sign G1MEJ. Um, it was a Class B license, but no Morse, no Morse code test was needed. And, but no HF privileges. You had to pass 12 word per minute Morse code test for the Class A license. Uh, after a couple of years, I went to a radio rally or a ham fest in North Yorkshire in the town of Hargate. I probably just butchered that up. One of the stands there was the Darley Amateur Radio Society who did FCC amateur radio tests with VEs. So he took the novice test and the technician and passed, but he didn't get the license out uh, but he went back a couple of weeks later, and he took his general and pass. I uh, had to travel back to the U.S. military base outside of town, outside the town of Hargate in North Yorkshire at that time. Um, anyway, he was granted his FCC license. Then he applied for a reciprocal U.K. full Class A license. Um, anyway, his current call is G0MEJ, and his uh, U.S. call is KG0PL. I've been an Amateur Logic TV viewer, um, watched all the episodes from number one to the present. That's quite a feat. And, and you live to tell about it. Yeah, and we've got the documented proof yeah, right there. Right there in black and white. Uh, may I say to all the Amateur Logic team, Happy Thanksgiving and Happy Christmas and Happy New Year to your families as well. Kind regards, uh, Laird Nigel, P. Lawrence, G0MEJ, and g 0 KG0PL and Lady Julia Lawrence, uh, 2E0JBP, his XYL. Wow. Cool. And uh, he did send the uh, Cumberland rum butter. Yeah, so let me ask you a question there. Okay. Laird Nigel P. Lawrence. So is Laird his first name or? I I do not know. It's not. That's not actually a a name. It's a title? Yep, that's a title. Oh, cool. And I'm not sure exactly. I think it's something like uh, a landowner or something. I, I, I'm i not sure. I'm probably off on that. But that's what my wife told me anyway when she told me Laird wasn't, wasn't a first name. You know, we don't we don't have titles here in Mississippi. It's, you know, 
Mister. Mister or Bubba. Or, uh, <laughs> no, that's Alabama where they got the, <laughs> got the Bubba's. But, uh, so you've got us some... Cumberland rum butter. So let's un let's unwrap it here, and uh, it's still. I just kind of got it out and got some of the paper off, but it's in a jar. Well, it doesn't look like Vegemite. No. Well, let's hope it doesn't taste like Vegemite. And I brought something to put it on: Belgian waffle buttercrips. So, Nigel, I hope that's uh, but good to put it on. Then you put British rum butter. On a Belgian waffle. Yeah, it's international. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were going to uh, get some scones. Yeah, but uh, we didn't. We couldn't get any I scones. Sent, I sent, uh, well, actually, Sabrina was going to the store, and I asked her to pick something up to put it on, and uh, she was going to get that, but she couldn't find them. So she brought this back. This, I, I would think that should be good. Mm -hmm. um, anyway... I wasn't really quite sure what uh, Cumberland rum butter is, but Nigel put a document in here with it, so I'm going to go ahead and read that if you want to right before we open it up and okay. try it. Anyway, it says Cumberland rum butter. This authentic rum butter recipe known as hard sauce. Uh-oh. It might be uh -oh. real, real rum. <laughs> Did y'all open this before the show? I've, no, got to drive, I've got to drive home. Because this anyway, might explain some things. It, <laughs> Anyway, it's traditional in Cumberland, in the northwest of England, the Lake District. It's very simple to make, but the exact origins of rum butter are shrouded in a bit of mystery. No one knows for sure who invented it, while a lot of myths have grown up around it. It does seem to have appeared first in Cumbria in the late 18th century, or the late 1700s. By the time Queen Victoria came to the throne in 1837, rum butter had become... Integral to every christening feast, where a bowl of rum butter was passed around the assembled gathering with oat cakes and also given as a gift to mother and child. One of the most persistent myths surrounding rum butter tells the tale of a woman who took a broken cask of rum washed up on the Cumbrian coast from a smuggling shipwreck who found that it had dripped into her store of sugar and butter on her larder shelf. <laughs> Anyway, thus the happy accident created Cumberland rum butter. Most likely this romantic not, is romantic nonsense, but nevertheless illustrates how simple the dish is to make. So that's pretty, that's interesting. All and right, actually check, check a recipe. the date. Hmm? Make sure it's not from 1700. <laughs> There's no date. So, <laughs> established 1354. <laughs> Wait. No. I'm I'm sure it wasn't made in 1354. <laughs> no, I'm just messing no. around. Yeah. I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah, I am too. It I'm thinking I brought the official Cumberland rum butter paper plate. Look out. And plastic plastic spork. You want me to open it? Go ahead. You know it's the right proof if it melts the fork. Am I gonna be able to drive home? I'm not sure. Okay. It uh, it doesn't smell like Vegemite or Marmite. Well, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think we're ahead of the curve. 
he uh, he did email me and ask about uh, sending something and. Uh, he asked about the Marmite, which we we had done that. So mm-hmm. he probably he forgot about that. But then he also asked about the, they, one of the things is a, is jelly deals. Yeah, uh, I wasn't sure if I could do that one. Yeah, so. I think I like rum butter a lot better <laughs> than jelly deals, and I haven't even tried it yet. Yeah, I saw an Anthony Bourdain thing on uh, on TV one time about the the jelly deals. Uh, supposedly, it's like delicacy but i'm just not sure i'm mad enough to try that i know i'm not and what was it something about oat oat cookies or oat Oat. crackers or something oat cakes nigel i hope these are okay to put on it because that's uh that's what we ended up getting so yeah okay you go first (laughs) (laughs) he sent it to you well then i'll go first then I, I know the the look of it is sort of like that oh. green pea baby food. It smells good. Yeah, it does smell good. It actually smells like butterscotch, which is kind of what I thought it might be like. This ought to be good. I thought it might be like the butter rum candy, but we'll uh-huh. know here in just a moment. Well, that's kind of what it smells like to me. Here, you want to, you can yeah, either do that one or you get your whatever. I think I'm going to want a whole one. Go ahead. And just just by the way it well, smells too, here. I brought the extra plate. So did I hear it right? Pirates raided somewhere and then the rum mixed with the butter? No, that's a folklore thing. Oh. Okay. Uh, that they found uh, that? found some uh, rum washed up on the shore. I'm going to tell you right now, if it's like Vegemite, you're only supposed to put a little tiny dab on there we're in big trouble we're in big trouble well, it's, yeah. it doesn't smell anything like vegemite it actually no. smells pretty good yeah and he did say um oh. laird is a title for scottish landowner oh, okay ah okay it smells mm. really good is it good mm-hmm. for once oh wow somebody sent us something and it tastes kind of like what I thought it would taste like. It's, it's really good. It's, it's, no, it's fantastic. That. Yeah. <laughs> we might finish eating the rest of these. I oh, haven't wow. had any supper yet. Yeah. You got any straws? <laughs> That's good. So, Nigel, that is amazing. Thank, thank you for sending that. Mm-hmm. If I would have known about that when I went over there, I would have brought some more of that back. I've been trying to figure. I'm gonna butter up the other one here. I uh, I've been trying to figure out how to get back over there. We, you know, my son and I went over there on vacation mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and uh, it was so it was so much fun. It's probably the most fun vacation I think I've ever been on. And uh, I'd love. I'm gonna go back. Man, that is good. I mean, the flavor of it itself. Emil, wish I could pass you one, <laughs> yeah. man. <laughs> the flavor is very good, but then it's got kind of a buttery. Because it's rum butter. <laughs> like it's all butter. in the name. 4.71%. I can't pronounce it, but some kind of rum. Cool. Cool. 
You know, are you supposed to refrigerate this, Nigel? Demerara. Yeah. Rum. Wow, that is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is excellent. It makes a great dessert topping, too. <laughs> it really does. Mm -hmm. Well, Nigel, thanks for that. That is, um, that's nice. And thanks, and thanks for not sending the jelly deals. Yes. I think we, we enjoyed this a lot more. Yeah. Let's say it's good, but I just don't, well, I'll just leave that out. We may want to eat some more of that at the end. And by yeah. any chance, George, is your next Arduino phase have anything to do with uh, transportation over IP? <laughs> no, there's the uh, nope. It's, oh. You know, I'm not. It's rum. I'm not sure we could transport across state lines without <laughs> some tax issues. That's so right. I think we're going to have to keep ATM it here. Orders. The G-Man the come after us. Uh-oh. Mike says he sees another half-speed theater uh -oh. episode coming. <laughs> Those are always fun. Could be. Well, that that was really tasty. Yeah, it's, it's As a matter really, of fact, super good. why don't you stall for a minute while I... Okay. Hey. You, you stall him. Hey, look over there. Okay. That's pretty interesting about the license, how he got the the U.S. and the, and the yep. uh, British license. Yep. Um, you know, we've, we've met a lot of people, both in person and online mm -hmm. and virtually and everything through the show here, and uh, we appreciate everyone. That watches and you know being a ham is just a great oh yeah great activity to to meet a lot of cool people yeah all all good good I mean kind of common people like us same same thing yeah you know and you know some of them travel yeah some some hams do some do that's what I hear and get out yeah and some of them. Would only be seen with the best wardrobe possible. As like well they should be. I all mean, over the world. Only the best. Yeah. Like in uh, Singapore. And this comes from our friend, Gene Guy. I'm going to mispronounce this. How do you pronounce R-I-O-U-X, Emil? I know you know. R-I-O-U-X? Yeah. Rio? Rio, that's what I thought. Gene Guy Rio. JH1GRT and he's got a Canadian license too, VA2TWT. Right there at the Singapore Botanical Gardens, it's the amateur logic cat. Cool. That cat, that hat gets around. You or just. They hats get around. You know, some places the hat goes to, we have to be very secretive about. <laughs> Look out. Yeah. Right there at Interpol. But, uh, 
You know, is that on a wanted poster up there? I didn't. I didn't see anything about a reward. But <laughs> dead or alive, you know, the hat can be spotted around the U.S. right here as well. Like, uh, well, like uh, right here, uh, Ralph AB1OP, uh, Ralph Mills, our friend, sent yeah. us this one. The hat was spotted at Daddy O's. It sure was. Oh wow! Look at that old Coke vending machine. Yeah, awesome. I remember trying to pull Cokes out of those things. Yeah. Yep. Oh, without paying for them? No. <laughs> Even if you paid for them, they're still hard to get out. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to see where Daddy O's is. Daddy O's, it's uh, it's where up there by Ralph. In Maine? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, look at all the license plates. Inside. Oh, yeah, I see it. Yeah. But, awesome. not only right there, you know, we've got another friend that's out with a hat all the time. Mm-hmm. And you never know when it could pop up and you see the hat on a plane. There's <laughs> <laughs> many flashes I've had. I've never seen the hat on a plane before. Well, there you go. You have now. <laughs> And this, this comes from, uh, well, our, our friend and world traveler, John Baggett, K2BAG. He had a, a layover in Phoenix and spotted the hat right there on a plane. Oh, I might have been in there. I was laid over there last week. Could have been. For a long time. And then he left there. I think he was on his way to Vegas. And right there, the hat popped up at Fry's. You know, the hat can't pass by a Fry's. I had just left right over there. Yep. As a matter of fact, I have been to that Fry's right there a number of times. Mm-hmm. It's one I'm of pretty my... sure the hat the hat will just like pull you right in as you drive past it. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised that place isn't just packed with that hat sitting out front like that. Thanks, y'all, for the hat photos. It's uh, you, you never know all over the world where the hat might pop up. So, if you wanted to take the hat on a trip with you, where would you find one? Well, if you needed a hat, if you don't already have one, you can get one right here at (laughs) amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Yeah, I guess you could. And as long as you're there, you can get the t-shirt. You may as well get the matching t-shirt and uh, jacket, too, while you're there. And, you know, usually when we're out at Hamfest and stuff... (laughs) <laughs> we see the t-shirts a lot more than the hats but for those who travel the hats just seem to be a good companion yep they travel well and that's about all i can say about that and yeah and they're tsa approved apparently cool. yeah <laughs> already <laughs> then so so go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get yours today. I think we have wasted enough of everybody's time tonight. And they're still there. So They are still there. Yeah. But, Most uh, of them. Another fun show. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. And uh, rum butter is good, unlike Vegemite. Yeah, that's, that's very good. I appreciate that, Nigel, again. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, email any any last thoughts for this month? Um, 
Well, you guys might have seen on some of the Facebook posts that I've been working on some of my uh, uh, some whisper propagation studies. I've I've made it all the way from 160 to 30 meters. About to switch over to 20 uh, tomorrow, and uh, that's been fun. So I hope to be able to share that with everybody when I'm done. Cool, awesome, Tommy. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna be up to. What's going on? Uh, anyway, I, I've got uh, the Pi Star stuff I'm gonna be playing around with. And <laughs> really? I don't know. It's a shock. It's a shock. It could happen. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> they just got way more plugs tonight out of us. They do. They. You know what? I've never actually even really used it. No, yet. me neither. And but now I'm now I'm committed. I got to. <laughs> the first first time I ever saw it, I badly mispronounced the name. Oh, you did you? Yeah. Yeah. You want to repeat it? Uh-oh. No. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I can see where that could go wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no more no more rum butter for you. Rum yeah, butter's I'm good. telling y'all, y'all yeah. had to open that before this show started. <laughs> we should have. Because it well Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have. <laughs> it's good though. Yeah. Um for me, well, I don't know. I'm going to show you that project that uh, I've been working on. Actually, the project I'm going to show you next month, I actually built before the one you saw this month. We're going back in time. I know that doesn't sound right, but I actually had to take apart that the project I was working on and rebuild it to this one. Um, you already shot your segment? No, I hadn't shot the segment, so i got to rebuild it again. But I know how to do it now because I wrote it down. But uh, it, it's pretty cool. I I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, if you like playing with the Arduinos, you're gonna you're gonna like this because you're probably gonna see something there you want to use for yourself. All right. Um, I guess that's gonna do it. We got Thanksgiving coming up here in the U.S. next week. Yep. And we're looking I'm on vacation. For, you are. And, Somewhat. Uh, and I'm gonna be off Thanksgiving. Just the day? And the day after, I'm going to take off Black Friday, too. Are you working next week? Yeah. Yep. I'm not not taking any vacations. I I was off today, but I did more work today than I do when I normally had a regular work day. Boy, you should have just stayed at work. I I know. I just burned the whole day for nothing. All right. 7-3, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And uh, check out Ham College at the end of the month. Yep. And then I guess, wow, it'll be the Christmas episode of Amateur Logic when we're back. Oh, wow. Well, we're going to have to get together something special for that. I sure will. Uh, it snuck up on me this year. Not quite ready. Yep. Me too. Did I, <clears throat> when y'all were playing the uh, intro, or I'm sorry, the video, you know, during the before the we started, uh, I, I saw something about Mike, V3MIC, knowing how to use Photoshop or something. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, is that is that true? Uh, he's used to the time or two. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I have heard he has. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Seven three, everyone. Yep. Se- seven three, everybody. Seven three.
You ready? Yeah. All right. I'm it's going to work. Hit the button and we'll go on to the Magic Kingdom. This is Ham College, episode 46 for October 31st, 2018. I think Joycelyn's throwing the flag. 15 yard penalty, false start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was going to be real interesting because. Uh, I probably wouldn't have noticed we were playing an intro for a completely different show. What's wrong with my mic to me? Is it good? That's all the good. I mean, okay. it's on maximum goodness over here to me. There's, <laughs> there's nothing left. I'm not sure that's the right choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds not right. <laughs> I take it y'all were playing with Pie Star. <laughs> How would you know? Um, there seems to be a floating screen. <laughs> oh, oops. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I did talk to Mike. I think he said the guy. Uh, that was running the server, decided to get out of it or something. Anyway, okay. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs>